this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Colorado outlasts Calgary, and we get a 2022 NLL Finals rematch. We'll break down the final moments of Game 3 and set you up for the Bandits and Man. Plus, we'll go behind the scenes with Joel McCready from the Warriors. All that and more right here on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. King's out there. Dixon's out there. William stripped. Loose ball. Caught. To pace. Save Dylan Ward. And then all alone, Connor Robinson. Empty net. And Colorado has a two-goal lead late. What a save. Are you kidding me? Dylan Ward. They did what they were supposed to do. They caused the turnover. They had a two-on-one, a point-blank occasion for Tyler Pace. And Dylan Ward flexes the muscle again. In the dying seconds, Robinson had some insurance on the empty netter. 13.4 to go. Dylan Ward, an absolute hero here in the fourth quarter and then there were two that is right we are all the way down to the nl finals best of three for the second year in a row bandits and mammoth he's pat gregoire find him on twitter at p greggy i'm at teddy jenner the show at otcb underscore podcast or find us on the instas at OTCB Podcast. Patty, what is going on? Fresh cut, looking good, ready for the big time tomorrow night. What's going on? Well, it's NLL Finals. It's finally here. Everyone was talking about an all-Canadian showdown, Calgary, Toronto, or maybe you'd see a rematch from the finals a couple of years ago against Buffalo and Calgary. But... Colorado had different plans for us. And maybe the best matchup was just sitting under our nose. And right no one brought us. this up. And it was right there for us. And I can't wait. Yeah. This is going to be an absolute banger of a series. I Man, it's the, the classic high-powered offense, stout defense, two teams that run in transition, two incredible coaches that have – a long storied past with each other, man, is it going to be a damn good series? And I hope it goes the distance. I hope it goes three again. I honestly have no idea what is going to happen though. Like I am so torn because like nobody's been able to stop Buffalo in the last month, but then you get this Colorado team that beats San Diego by a goal essentially beats Calgary by a goal and their two wins, the empty netter at the end. But Dylan Ward's goals against has gone down like a full two points. Matt Vince's goals against is like 707. Like, <laughs> it's, it's stupid what these two teams are doing right now. I'm going to be very interested to see how Patty Coyle and Andrew McBride game plan for this potent Buffalo Bandits offense because Rochester – had no chance. Toronto had no answer over two games. And so now it's up to the Mammoth if they want to repeat. They're going to have to find 
some sort of magic potion to not allow this group to start running and gunning and just get way ahead of them. This, this matchup, like, again, when you, you talk about like from, from a a quick immediate outside look, obviously you're drawn to the bandits and you mentioned how they're just playing at a different level, especially offensively. And then you look at Dylan Ward and him elevating his game to another level But then you flip the series then on its head and and you look at Buffalo's defense and what Matt Vince has been like the defense was remarkable. They, they allowed just three goals in the fourth quarters, fourth quarters of their three playoff games. Like they have (laughs) shut teams down late, put them out, did not have any doubt that the game was, was not over on the other side, you have Colorado who, of course, yes, the offensive numbers aren't nearly as impressive, but the decor is pretty much the same. The goalie is pretty much the same. But now you have a healthy Ryan Lee in mm-hmm. this offense. You have a healthy Eli McLaughlin mm-hmm. in this offense. Now Colorado kind of has the firepower that if Buffalo tries to open this thing up and, and turn it into – a back and forth run and gun style of game, which I don't know if they're going to be able to. I think Colorado has the offensive weapons to be able to, to counteract that with some offense of their own. Yeah, Uh, man. If, if like, aside from those two guys, what is always going to be scary in this series is a motivated and pissed off Zed Williams. Yeah. Because he is Zeddy Ballgame for a reason. And he has really put this team on his back. And no slight to Eli or Ryan Lee or Wardle or C-Rob or any of those guys out there. When they've needed a big-time play or a goal, they've looked to Zed Williams. And he is very more. He's going to have 40, 50 people at that game in Buffalo tomorrow night all friends and family coming down to watch that game. And he's he plays in those big-time moments, and he loves those big-time moments. So if Zed can get active and start playing pissed off, it's going to be a tough out for the Buffalo Mets. This is not going to be an easy series by any means. And everybody thought without Lee and without Liger in game two that Buffalo was just going to walk. Didn't happen. And... I think a lot of people, again, are picking Buffalo to have a bit of a walk here. I don't think that happens, man. I think Pat Cole has proved in the past he is an incredible game manipulator and game planner. And when he gets a system in place with his group and he's graded adjustments in game, I think that was one of the biggest factors last year was he was able to make some of those adjustments as that series went on. And, man, I cannot wait for this series. But let's go back quickly to game three. And again, another unbelievable game between Calgary and Colorado. Like, back and forth, the place was going bananas. Calgary was up. Colorado came back. They finally found a lead late. And then in the dying seconds, Tyler Pace and Tanner Cook cause a turnover, and they have the most glorious (laughs) chance to tie that game and of course, he runs into a wall named Dylan Ward. 
He was in the crease, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't want. I, I don't want to take that away because I mean, the save was ridiculous. The other save that was between the five hole when Warren oh, just got enough of it. Yeah, just got enough. Might have been. I think maybe even. I don't want to say more impressive because I mean, when you have pace on the doorstep, yeah, that's massive. But just enough like but he was doing that about whole fourth quarter like he got yeah, one exactly off the end of a stick off jesse king uh he denied dan taylor on a dunk like he really turned it on in that fourth quarter they shut out calgary in the fourth and he made save after save after yeah. save of epic proportions and for a goaltender you just got to get a piece that's the old saying for goals just get a piece let the bounces happen how they may. And he was getting enough of shots and getting the right bounce. Like that one through the five hole easily could have hit the inside of his leg bounce and gone in, but it has just enough carom to hit bounce and go the other way. Like, and that's what you need from a, a, an all world goaltender is just to make those key saves at the right moments and give your team a chance to win. It's it's these these guys on Colorado and, and they're led by their goalie. They're you know the heart and soul of their team. They are guys. This is a team. This is a group that just elevates their game uh, when they need it the most. You mentioned Zed Williams. Well, like even just look back to last year's finals, twenty one yeah. points in those three games, twelve goals, nine assists. If it wasn't for Dylan Ward you know, really like just setting the world on fire and, and making some massive stops in that series. You could probably make an argument that Zeb Williams could have been the MVP in, in, in that finals as well. Yes. hundred percent. Especially when you go into the fact that, you know, Eli didn't play in game three and they were without Lee for the last two series of the season. Mm-hmm. These guys just step up. They're big. They come up in big moments. They get outscored. Was it two nothing in the third quarter? Yeah. yeah. But instead, they flip the game on its head and then outscore, like you said, uh, Colorado three to nothing. Yeah, I know one of them's an empty netter, but they they just figure a way to win. They suck the life out of you. You can't keep them in games because they're just going to find ways to win. And I think that's going to be a big part of, of call or sorry, of, of Buffalo's game plan is try to get on those crazy runs. Like you yeah. saw with Toronto and try to pull away. Don't allow Colorado to stay within it because if they stay within punching distance, there's a good chance they're going to drag in the mud and come up with a win here. Warren Jeffrey had a goal and two assists, including the game winning goal. Yep. He has found another gear, and that's scary because they've kind of been waiting for this from him. He is a black hole. Pat Coy will call him that nine times out of ten when talking about him defensively. But now he scored in back-to-back games. He's pushing in transition. He's playing huge minutes. And when they lost uh, Josh Sullivan, they they asked Warren Jeffrey to kind of go to his other side. Yeah. And – you know, that's not always the easiest for a defender because now your stick's underneath. You can't take away topside. But, man, he was just eliminating guys shift after shift. And now he's found a bit of a scoring touch, and the moose is loose. And, and that's a huge part 
of their game if they can find some more transition because, you know, there's no Joey Capito anymore. So it's Tim Edwards, it's Warren Jeffrey, it's Jordan Gillis. It's these guys running the floor in transition that are going to have to play a big role because, you know, Buffalo is going to run and, you know, they're going to push the tempo. So like you said, if Colorado can match that energy and stay within punching distance as that game goes on, these are two of the best fourth quarter teams left standing. And there might not be no goals in the second half, the way these two goaltenders are playing. <laughs> it really is. And, and I, 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 again, I just, I think the way that Buffalo's offense and just the explosion that we've seen uh, in this playoffs kind of just has out, you know, shined and, and put this defense and what Matt Vince is doing. Um in the shadows and it should should not be the case because this defense again similar to what we're talking about with colorado they've stepped up and taken their game to another level you talk about the fourth quarters man this is something that i'm going to be looking late and deep in games 14 goals scored in the fourth quarter during the playoffs for the mammoth Bandits only allowed three in the fourth fourth quarter. I already mentioned that earlier. Like that is insane. That is two teams that it's a good reason why they're here because yeah. when it's late, when it means the most, and yes, I know Buffalo really hasn't played a close game um, in the playoffs yet, which I, I mean, some hot take artists might say that, Ooh, maybe that's a bad thing because they haven't had any adversity. Well, I think this team, this group has had enough adversity over the years. They know what it what's gonna stop them from, from winning a championship. But late in the fourth quarter, man, it, it's gonna be who's gonna rise to the top? Is it is it going to be Colorado with with an offense that comes to life? Or is it gonna be that Buffalo defense that kind of suffocates you and and forces all the shots to come from where Matt Vill wants to see him and 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 fall into that game plan nine goals against in the fourth in the second half alone for this buffalo bandits team like they they what they only gave up 21 goals in the first two rounds like it's crazy what what that team has done and we've talked about all year long how this is a team on a mission we talked about it last year how this was a team on a mission well they've last they've lost the last two what they've lost three of the last four or five uh, dating back to Saskatchewan. Um, this is a team and a core group of guys that understands the moment that is in front of them. And I, as much as I would love to see Colorado go back to back, I just think this is a team that is destined to, to finish this off and finally get over that peak because you know, if it does happen, who knows about if Vino comes back and some of these older veterans. But man, this core group is hungry. And it starts with Josh and it starts with Dane. Then you get the supporting cast of Kluch and Byrne and Dehoga and Chase Fraser if he's healthy. And now you got Ian McKay scoring and staying and playing up front. This is a well-rounded team, and they have been all season long. If they can stay healthy, that is the biggest sort of asterisk for any team that's going to win. But we saw what Colorado did last year in spite of their injuries. It was next man up who fills that void and who can give you 60 minutes for two solid games. And if you do that, you can become an NLL champion. 
When you look at this this Bandits roster, man, you you mentioned hungry. There's no denying that this team is hungry because Matt Vince obviously has his three championships. Ethan O'Connor has a championship with Georgia. But when you look through the entire roster, because this core has been together so long, Dane Smith, no championships, but three finals losses. Josh Byrne, no championship, two finals losses. Kyle Buchanan, zero championships, two final losses. Clarice Cloutier, two final losses, no championship. Ian, uh, Ian McKay, two final losses, no championship. Nick Weiss, three final losses, no championship. Steve Priolo, no championship. Three, like, this is a team, like you yeah. said, they have the experience of getting to a championship. They just haven't got over the hump. But sometimes that loss and the feeling of pain and having that, you know, drive to know we've been here three times. Mm-hmm. This might be the last time we get to, we get a chance as this group to do it. Yep. It's do or die. Because let's be honest, if they don't get it done, I think we're seeing a much different Buffalo Bandits team next year. I think if they get it done, they'll be a little different as well. But yeah, you know, go back to 2016. They lose in two games to Saskatchewan. Jeff Cornwall scores that goal with two seconds left. 2019, they lose in two games. Reese Dutch scores the OT winner. Last year, they lose in three games. Colorado comes back to win game three. Like this is a team that hasn't gotten many bounces when they've needed it in those championship moments. So it'll be very interesting to see, you know, if they do fall behind or they do lose game one, how this team reacts to some adversity because you know we haven't seen it in the playoffs and they've been pushed during the regular season, but maybe that's just the level that they're on right now that they have been cruising through the East, but what will happen if they face some adversity and things don't start going their way and they get behind and, and they're losing and things like that. Vino doesn't have a solid start. How will they react to that adversity when some doubt starts to sink in? It'll be very interesting to see how this team does it. And, you know, you talked about experience. They haven't changed their lineup all playoffs. It's been the same 17 and two all three games. So there's that, cohesiveness and that co- and that chemistry whereas Colorado has had some guys in and out due to injuries and things like that but they're also returning 17 of 19 from their championship team last year plus they get Lee and Liger back so it's very similar to last year's team the only real new guys are Downey Garrison and I think that's it only the new guy you know, Brett McIntyre is still a rookie, but he got into a couple games. So, you know, they're still the same team for the most part. So you can go back and look at past film and past games and still see very similar dynamics to these clubs. So again, the game planning and the coaching strategies and the in-game adjustments are going to be what comes down to decide this series as it goes on, because there's going to be runs. Like you said, both teams are going to have them. I don't think we'll see two teams going 25 plus minutes without scoring like we did in game three. But I think there are going to be peaks and valleys in this series. And it's going to come down to who can manage the highs and lows and who can make the least polarizing mistakes 
to allow their team to have the most success. And that's kind of builds up for, for a beautiful championship, yeah, a, 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 because they're just so well matched. They, you could argue that again, like, and I, you know, I had this conversation with a couple of guys on Colorado, like how much do you take from the finals? And they say like, of course it's a lot of it is confidence knowing that you've beat this group before. Mm-hmm. And when you look at their team, it's, it's very much the same, but they also know that, this Buffalo team is playing on a different level. The, the the urgency is a lot different. And Buffalo will even say it. The urgency is a, a lot different as well. They feel like, you know, Josh Byrne was the one who specifically told me this and, and on our call heading into the series against Toronto that over the last few seasons, it was championship, 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 just focusing on getting there and, the process along the way kind of got lost. Whereas this year it's been about focusing on the process to get to that championship. Because sometimes when you're so focused on your end goal, you forget how you get there. Mm -hmm. And he felt that once they were there, this is it. We're going to get this done. Now they know it's the process and they're very close but they are making it evidently clear that the process still isn't done yet. They have to complete this series to get to that ultimate goal. Yeah. If, if you're focused too much on the goal, you lose sight of the process. So I think that, that that's very well spoken from that bandits leadership group because they understand and because they've been there. Like I said, when, when you continually focus on the end goal, when things don't go your way, you kind of lose sight and lose focus of what you're still trying to be focusing on doing. So, right, man, I cannot wait for this thing to get started. Um, you got a thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs up, and you know we 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 might have talked about it. I don't know if we if we did or not because uh, last week because I don't think it was officially official. But thumbs up for me goes to the NLL Cup finals week one and just the way that this is going to work especially mm-hmm. with espn yes and i know a I, lot of I, folks it's my thumbs up is the exact same thing okay well uh, may, maybe i'll i'll let you take over no no, no because... continue you got this okay okay I well you, man. i believe that this is this has the potential to be one of the highest viewed if not the highest viewed uh especially game two mm-hmm. games in the united states uh obviously with Saturday night, you have two semifinals of the NCAA Men's D1 Finals. Yep. And it rolls right in to game number one. But the big one I'm really focused on, Monday, Memorial Day, huge holiday in the States, a huge holiday for lacrosse fans. Yep. The NCAA Finals goes that afternoon. And right after, literally right after, boom, before anyone can change the channel, yeah. game two of the NLL Finals on ESPN, I believe. Is it ESPN 2? The Deuce. The Deuce. Deuce. That's a lot of viewers. That's a lot of eyeballs. Mm -hmm. Yes, college lacrosse fans will be watching, no doubt. Casual sports fans, though, usually tend to tune into that. Yep. Um, alumni of of those two programs, whether they're into lacrosse or not, this is an opportunity to get into 
some of the other fan bases that are either fans of lacrosse or enjoy watching lacrosse or hardcore field lacrosse fans, whatever it may be, this is now an opportunity to get inside their homes, give them a first look at the product that is the NLL, which in my opinion with this finals could set up for a better introduction to box lacrosse. I think this should be a recurring thing. I think this is how it should be done for the future. Obviously a Canadian team being in the finals would maybe throw that Monday off because it's obviously not a holiday up here in Canada. So I don't know if a lot of the Canadian teams would be thrilled about having that Monday game, but I truly believe that the NLL can really enjoy the momentum that is built off of the NCAA final four weekend, because that is always a massive weekend in attendance at the stadiums and watching on TV. And if you can get that rolling right into NLL championship weekend, game one, game two, it it just makes sense. It is just a perfect storm for the national lacrosse league and for lacrosse fans all around the world to have this weekend play out like it does with the semifinals on Saturday with game one, D3, D2 finals on Sunday, NL, or NCAA Div 1 finals, and then game two on Monday. Like, it's a perfect storm. And like you said, it is going to be a massive number of fans watching both sides of the border, but even more so in the United States for that game two on the deuce. And, you know, the cup will be in the building. A team will have a chance to win on Monday night which yep. makes it that much more exciting. And you and I and Ashley were there for game two last year. It was 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Denver that weekend. It was a sweat show. And we were treated to a fantastic game, an incredible crowd, forcing game three. And I just can't wait. It's going to be an unbelievable lacrosse weekend, both sides of the border, on TV, TSN, TSN Plus, ESPN Plus, ESPN2. It's going to be unbelievable, man. I, I, I can't applaud the NLL enough for, for making this work and both teams for agreeing to have it play out like this because it just, like a 4 o'clock local time game, it's going to be unbelievable. I know. I it, it, Again, Kudos to the to the NLL, like you said. Kudos to them for for having a vision, having a plan. Like this was talked about by Brett Fruit a long time ago. Like this mm-hmm. is something that he and the board for the NLL saw an opportunity and took it. Yeah. Yes, you're right. I think if it was a Canadian team in the final and they had the second game, you're probably maybe playing it on Sunday, yeah. which is probably not as ideal. So yeah. it's a perfect storm couldn't have scripted it better and i i'm just so happy uh to be on hand for it but as a lacrosse consumer um i'd be all sorts of fired up for this uh my thumbs down uh because we had the same thumbs up my thumbs down is we're almost at the end bro this is this is we could only have two games left like me myself selfishly i only got one game left to call right and so we're getting to the end of what has been an incredible season. It's not a huge thumbs down, but it's just been an unbelievable year. And I'm sad to see this season end because 
we have had some incredible storylines top to bottom all across the league from standout Americans to incredible rookies to Aaron Bold coming back to some of these record numbers that Dane and, and Teeter put up, the, the numbers that Christian Del Bianco put up in between the pipes, like unbelievable year in the National Lacrosse League. And I'm, I'm sad to see the season coming to an end. That's a that's really is a great thumbs down because honestly it's <laughs> it really is sad like it's the best part of the year but at the same time it's sad because yeah. you're like oh damn but again think about it though we we absolutely still have other lacrosse coming we yeah. want to look at from an NL standpoint well go out and, and and grab streams or go to the arena watch major series lacrosse or WLA lacrosse because there's going to be guys playing in that league that will be in the draft coming up in the fall. Watch junior A lacrosse because there will be some of those as well, or the future in a few years. So mm-hmm. lacrosse isn't over. Lacrosse is a never-ending season. Oh, and yeah, we also have the world championships coming oh, yeah. up as well. So, That's coming up soon too. So uh, don't feel too sad, Teddy. We, we've got no. more lacrosse, but it's uh, it's not at all lacrosse. It's going to be uh... – Pushing 30 degrees Celsius in Denver this weekend, just so you know. Oh, boy. Here Bring we go. Short shorts. Bring Here we go. short shorts. Okay. Uh, uh, so no thumbs down uh, from Patty. He's agreed that lacrosse is just a sad but great time right now. Like you said, plenty of summer lacrosse still to be had. PLL kicks off this weekend. NCAA Final Four. Junior and senior lacrosse is in full swing ahead. There's tons of games on YouTube and BC Sports TV and Playful Screen coming up. So you're going to get a chance to watch a lot of lacrosse. And Oh, I have a thumbs I have a thumbs down. Thumbs oh, down. Okay. To, here it is. Thumbs down to people who complain about having to pay for streams. Mm. I get it. We are blessed with some awesome awesome opportunity. I know the BC Junior A Lacrosse League all their games streamed for free. OJLL, not all their games, but their game nope. of the week stream for free. There are some other leagues that unfortunately you have to pay. If you want to see a game for free, you sponsor the stream. You right. find a, it's not like these leagues are just doing it for free. There are people, companies that are paying for these other companies to stream these games. It's not like they're just doing it out of the kindness of their heart. Yes, they realize it is better to be for free because it gets more eyeballs, more people can watch, grows the game. But they're also not in the business just to bleed money and not make any money as well. Or, or they have to pay these production companies. And our hair doesn't cut itself. (laughs) Exactly. So if the league you're trying to stream or the tournament or whatever it may be, you have to pay money for it. Just so you know, they're not trying to rob you blind. They're just trying to cover operation costs. So thumbs down to those. Yes, I get it. I much prefer watching lacrosse for free. It's great. And bravo to those sponsors that do step up and and stream those because you are the ones that make it happen. Just keep in mind, it's not the broadcast company or the league that are trying to burn you for money here. Yeah. Get off your wallet if you don't like it as the kids kids say these days um all right that's thumbs up thumbs down uh we're gonna talk to joel mccready uh in a little bit after we do some awards here but uh 
Joel, obviously the senior director of lacrosse operations for the Vancouver Warriors. He and I had a great chat about kind of what their off season is going to look like. And I think this might be something we kind of do a little bit more of during this off season, just kind of, especially leading up to the draft, talk to some people behind the scenes of, of what teams are doing and, and, and where they're going. So great chat with Joel McCready coming up, but uh, the NLL awards are out and they are official. And as of today, Christian Del Bianco is the second ever goaltender to win MVP. I don't want to say it was a runaway, but it wasn't really close. I know we're not supposed to tip our ballots, but I, I think I made it evidently very clear that he was uh, my choice for, for MVP. When you look at the the award itself, the meaning behind it, most valuable player, well, there really wasn't a, a team that had more value to his team. Uh, not just him stopping the ball, his ability to throw the ball unlocked a, a level of, of transition that was so difficult to defend. And it's awesome to see a non-forward win. Now, mm. on the flip side, Dane Smith, Jeff T. Dane's won MVPs before. T is going to win a oh, few yeah. MVPs before he retires. So that kind of makes it a little bit easier uh, to swallow. But for the season that W. Echo had, how do you not give it to him? How do you not Play, give it to him? Uh, a single season record of 1,080 minutes and 19 seconds. Uh, had a career high 13 wins. Roughnecks had a franchise high with 13 wins. Had 19 assists on the year. Uh, he had 415 voting points. Dane Smith finished second with 358 and Jeff Teat at 323 are you surprised that dane got more votes or points than teeter no i I'm, I'm really not because i think a lot of people hold a lot of water to the fact that if you're an mvp you have to make the playoffs i, I think yeah. a lot of people have that mindset and you know dane smith also you know, he was the one offensive player that played every single game this year for the Bandits. We saw Josh Byrne go down. We saw mm-hmm. Chris Cloutier miss a chunk of season. Uh, Dolgan Nanico, Chase Fraser didn't start yeah. the right. And the one consistent was Dane Smith putting yeah. up numbers and, and breaking his own a single season assist record. So, yes and no. Surprise, because I thought I thought T would be would have been the second. But, yeah. again, how do you argue uh, with, with the – Dane Smith and what he does continuously season after season. Jonathan, Don- as I drop money on the table, uh, Jonathan Donville is your NLL rookie of the year. He had 90 points. He was second on the team with, uh, with 67 assists, four shy of Jeff Teets, single season rookie record. Uh, he had 543 points. Dauber finished second at 356 tied with Jack Hanna. So that pretty much means that, Producer Donnie got all the first place votes and Dobson and Hannah split everything else. Um, That was pretty much a no brainer. One of the few sort of runaways that I had on my ballot of guys winning award that were just sort of the no brainers. Uh, But what a year we talked about kind of off the start, uh, the year of the rookie this year in the national cross league, you know, you throw in um danny logan you throw in jake boudreau you throw in some of these other rookies that were out there in the national lacrosse league just an incredible season uh for the future of our game the all rookie team jake boudreau dobson donville hannah logan and john piatelli from the firewolves uh 53rd overall pick back in 2022 played 16 games 
uh, 18 goals, 21 assists, fourth among rookies. He was fifth on the team in scoring 68 loose balls, which was fifth among rookies. And another American player, you know, making a name for himself. You know, Hannah, Logan, Piatelli, three Americans who are going to have long careers in the National Lacrosse. But again, just going to show that the growth of the Americans playing indoors, whether they have experience or not, the guys are buying in and having a ton of success. And that bodes well for the future of our game. It's pretty crazy. That was the first time actually that kind of registered that half of the all rookie team were Americans. Mm -hmm. Pretty wild considering, you know, where, where this game is, but it just goes to show you how quickly it is growing. And, and these guys are adapting to the box game, want to play the box game. And, um, of course, I'm being a little bit biased here as a, as a guy I coached and very close with. And, and Dylan Robinson would have loved to see him there, mm-hmm. but I think his injury uh, near the end of the year kind of put him away from possibly being on that ballot there. But uh, a goalie too, obviously Dobson came second, so you knew he was going to be there. But yeah. it's not too often you see a rookie goalie make such a great impact on their team. So uh, kudos to Dobson again. Donville was the choice. It was always Jonathan Donville. Dobson made a great push in the second half, but from start to finish, from tip to tail, there wasn't a better rookie in the NL than Johnny Donville. Uh, first team all league or all pro, whatever you want to call it, Dane Smith, Jeff Teat, Zach Courier, Latrell Harris, Graham Hosick, Christian Del Bianco. Second team all league, or as I like to call it, the Toronto Rock All-Stars. Uh, Connor Field, <laughs> Tom Schreiber, Shallon Rogers, Brad Cree, Steve Priolo, and Nick Rose. I can't really argue with those teams. They're just the best of the best in the National Lacrosse League. Um, and again, just showcasing how great our talent is. Uh, Del Bianco also wins uh, Goalie of the Year. Zach Courier repeats his Transition Player of the Year. And maybe the one that surprised me the most of these awards, Latrell Harris winning Defender of the Year, 357 points. Graham Hosick was, what's that, uh, 64 points behind him at 293, and then Brad Cree at 162. We kind of talked about this. I think a lot of people picture Latrell as more of a transition defender and not a true defender, but an incredible achievement for Latrell Harris, who's still very young, in his NLL career to win this award over Graham Hossack, who's won it multiple times and over Brad Cree, who many feel that he's well-deserved and maybe more so the fact that Steve Priolo was so far behind in this category. So were you surprised that it was Latrell and not one of the others? Yeah, I I definitely was surprised. And again, it's not a knock on Latrell Harris because I actually had him quite high on my transition player of the year mm-hmm. ballot. Um, he had 30 points. He, again, similar to Dane Smith, when other bodies were out of the lineup, he was the cons- one of the consistent ones alongside Brad Cree, and he elevated his game to the next level. But where I thought he elevated it the most was in that transition game 
you know, playing high pace, getting involved in the rush. So that's why I, again, see him more as a, a transition player. Um, and that's why, again, I kind of was surprised to see him, not because I didn't think he's worthy of, of an award, because I think he's a, a star in this league and is only getting better. But I guess it just goes to show you how much people appreciate his defensive game that they see him as a defender that's able to join the rush and, and score in transition. Zach Courier had 440 points for transition player of the year, followed by Challen and Reed Bowering. Goaltender of the year, Christian Del Bianco, 594 points, 150 points clear of Nick Rose. And then Matt Vince way down at 276 points. So it's, you know, there were some runaways, um, but I think a lot of them were very highly contested. And then coach of the year, Kurt Miloski, 444 points as he helped the Roughnecks to a franchise record 13 wins, his first Les Bartley. And then Dan how, Carey. How, hold on, hold on. Before we get to Dan Carey, because well-deserved Dan Carey, but how the hell is that Mouse's first coach right? of the year? Like, that's crazy. It is insane that that's his first coach of the year. Um, so unbelievably deserving. But I was, I knew that was the case, but every time I read it and hear it, it still just, Clicks in the back of my head saying, how did he win this earlier? But I think there is no doubt this year is the best coaching job we've ever seen from him. And that's saying a lot because he is one hell of a coach. Um, past winners of the Les Bartley Award. Uh, obviously, Tracy Kluski won it last year. Paul Day won it in 2020. JT and Rich Kilgore, 2019. Derek Keenan, 2018. Ed Como, 2017, Glenn Clark in 2016. So, yeah, he's been in contention. He's only been nominated one other year. No, sorry, two other years. 2014, when Derek Keenan won. Uh, 2019, when JT and Richie won. And then this year. So, you know, there were a lot of those years where the Roughnecks were a third or fourth place team or a, uh, a, a team that's kind of was slow to start. This was probably their best year start to finish most consistently. And I yeah. think that's kind of why he got the nod because of how consistent they were. And, and Brad Challenger said this, cause I know a lot of people were like, how is JT not up for the award? Or how is Patrick Merrill not up for the war when they both led their teams to first in their respective conferences, Brad said it this way. When he looks at voting for coach of the year, in his mind, it's who did the most with the least. And I don't want to make it a slight because Calgary's very talented and very deep. But when you look at the talent on Buffalo and you look on the talent that was on San Diego, what Kurt and what Mike Hayes and what Tracy Kluski did for their respective clubs really outshines what those other two coaches did right. because they were sort of quote-unquote expected to do that with the rosters that they had. I think a lot of people saw Calgary, no Berg, no Dixon, no Doby. They were going to have a down year. But Kurt Miloski and his staff did a hell of a job with that group. And again, a franchise best, 13 wins. They were battling for first all the way to the final weekend. And, and you can't take that away from a guy who is eighth in the league history with 90 wins, just three behind Les Bartley himself. So, 
Shout out to Kurt Mulaski, who did an incredible job. One of my favorite people in the entire National Cross League and, and thoroughly, thoroughly happy for him to win that award. And another guy I'm incredibly happy for is Dan Carey. You know, he took a team that struggled in their first year with a 4-14 and 14 record to a team that was 10-8. and eight. They were hot out of the gates. They cooled off late. Uh, obviously, the season didn't end the way they wanted to, but he did an incredible job molding that roster they get connor fields um you know they get hogarth playing some good minutes uh thomas vela chipped in who was a former draft pick up theirs uh obviously rylan hartley is going to be an, an all-star goaltender in years to come um but you know taking a 4 and 14 team to a 10 and 8 playoff team battling for a home floor game you can't not argue with what he did with that group I, it's it's so apparent that his hard work over the last couple of years finally came to fruition and mm-hmm. and I think it's not just an award for this year yes I know it literally is but like I think a lot of the hard work also comes from the, the previous years in drafting and yeah. what he did building this team but I think that the standout is taking a risk going out grabbing Connor Fields and, and giving him the opportunity to become a number one and one of the top offensive players in the NLL this year. And he did it. And I think that's why he got so many votes is because he turned this Rochester team who were the longest shot odds to win the NLL cup and made the postseason. Kudos. Uh, Lyle, to him. Yeah. Lyle Thompson wins his fifth straight Lyle Thompson award. Um, <laughs> again, Miles would just name it after him. Uh, and Dan Dawson wins his second teammate of the year award. Um, but, you know, awards aside, I, I said it on Twitter. Um, these are two of the best role models, icons, legends, sportsmen of our game. And truly, truly great honors for both of these men. And, you know, we don't know if, if Triple D is going to be coming back next year. Um, his body is getting a little long in the tooth, but he's still in incredible shape, takes care of himself off the floor. But to win, you know, a teammate of the year award for a guy like that just speaks volumes. Uh, and then what can you say about Lyle Thompson? Just an unbelievable player and, and, and teammate and torchbearer for our game. Uh, one of six players with 100 points and 100 loose balls, 10 cost turnovers, only two penalty minutes fifth in goals like there's just nothing this guy can't do and again continues to be a a leader for the indigenous communities and a role model for our league and our sport and the future of our game so congratulations to both of those two men uh, on a very well-deserved honor and then of course the first awards that were handed out um we get the CEO Executive of the Year Award goes to Mark Fine and everything he did in Las Vegas and helping that team really just make a impact in that community. And it's never easy being an expansion club and it'll never be easy being an expansion club in Las Vegas. And what Mark Fine was able to do, averaging just under 6,000 fans in Michelob, they had a season high of just under 8,000 fans on Wayne Gretzky night. Um, it was just a, a heck of a debut for the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. And Mark Fine really needs to be congratulated for the work that he did. 
I think that, again, I think just because of what happened with the Raiders and the Golden Knights, people just assume, ah, you put a team in Vegas, like, look how great the support was. Well, it took a lot of hard work, and there's still, you even talk to them, there's still so much more hard work that needs to go. But um, they went above and beyond in, in building this team, building this brand identity with the club, and um, very well-deserved, really, really well-deserved. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in year two, uh, but for year one, very very successful year for the desert dogs um awesome very creative marketing initiatives along mm -hmm. the strip in vegas uh the gretzky night you mentioned what a great idea that was as well and um congratulations on a very deserved award and uh yeah looking forward to year two this was the only award where they needed a tiebreaker did you know that i actually did not Mark Fine had 239 points. Melissa Blades, Director of Business Ops for Calgary, also had 239 points. Matt Hutchings, EVP and COO of Cronky Sports Entertainment with the Mammoth, had 237 points. Wow. So the, the tiebreaker is first place votes. Mark Fine had 10, and Melissa Blades had 7. That is crazy. <laughs> you can't get much closer to that. Right? Unbelievable. Um, and then the final award, the Tom Borelli Award, uh, yourself, myself, and our good friend Adam Levy were up for the award. Uh, the three of us can split it over beers. Uh, I'm buying. Um, but kudos to both of you guys and all of our broadcasters and, and media people, journalists, writers, on screen, on air, podcast hosts, um, creative graphic people, like, our job is made easier by people like Adam and Ty Marrow and um, Graham Paro and the work that Cooper does and all the graphics that the behind the scenes team do and putting out stats and things like that. They make our job so much easier. And all the players and coaches who give us time throughout the week talking about pregame stuff and, and all those things. If it's not for them, our job is a thousand times harder, but truly, it is an honor to be a part of the National Lacrosse League's broadcast family. Uh, and I share this award with everybody uh, because it is a collective team job. In a uh, typical big team guy fashion, you uh, give a lot of credit to, to your teammates. So I will, I will say to you, Teddy, incredibly well-deserved, um, you become a, in an exclusive group to be a two-time winner, uh, one first back in 2016. So that just goes to show you the time, dedication, and passion that you've given for this game, for this league. Um, obviously, uh, co-host of the show with me, um, a fellow broadcaster, um, but more importantly, a great friend, a great mentor. And I, I want to thank you for everything that you've helped uh, with me throughout my career in this league could not have done it without you. And I'm not the only one who is saying that you talk to Adam, who is up for this award, many broadcasters, a part of the league. That's another thing that you make sure you do is, is help out others. And, and I, I no doubt know that's a reason why you got some great votes as well. You're, you're an awesome mentor, an awesome friend and uh, couldn't have, couldn't have deserved this one anymore, buddy. Well, one behind Tutka, 
Got to catch him. <laughs> yep. Got to catch yep. that bum hall. Yep. But uh, I appreciate the words and uh, everybody that's reached out over the last week. It's just been uh, it's been an awesome week, and uh, it's just you know we don't do it for the accolades, we do it for the growth of the game, and it's just been a, a hell of a year for all of us involved. And we'll do it again on Monday, you and me. How about? I can't wait. Yeah, the Loud House. I've only been. I I know you've you've logged many hours in that building. I've only done the one game. Did it last year with you, and we didn't even talk about this. But like, obviously, the matchup on the floor, ideal situation. Like the two fan bases, man. The two buildings. Like these two barns are going to be absolutely rocking, and I can't wait. If you remember last year, it was the Mammoth and the Avalanche in their playoff runs, and they won championships within like 48 hours of each other. This year, it's the Mammoth and the Nuggets making championship runs. So Denver will be buzzing again. It will be a wild time. And like we said, the championship will be in the building. Who will have the chance to host will be Buffalo or will it be Colorado? We'll find out Saturday night. But before we get to our box bets, thanks to our friends over at Cool Can. Let's have a quick chat with Joel McCready, director, senior director of Lax Ops for the Vancouver Warriors. They have a very important offseason ahead of them. What do they do with the GM position? What do they do with their coaching staff? How busy are they going to be in free agency and they have two first-round draft picks. Joel McCready and I go one-on-one this week right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. He was named Senior Director of Lacrosse Operations late during last season, and he joins us on the show this week. Joel McCready, what's going on, brother? Hey, Teddy. Thanks for having me, buddy. How you doing? Uh, things are good. How's the family? Oh, really good. Getting big, uh, eight, six, and four now. They're they're getting into lacrosse and hockey and all that fun stuff. So it's uh, it's it's busy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And you, like many in the lacrosse world, have jumped into the real estate game. Um, how's that going for you? And have you reached Lewis Ratcliffe levels yet? Oh, <laughs> I I played with uh, with Lewis and uh, in column quite a bit. Just the uh, Ben Desir a bit. He's he's doing great over on the island, and uh, it's great to see guys translate from uh, from sports and athletics into the business world and uh, take everything they learn from being part of a team into into that aspect. And so you're taking another step into the business aspect of things. You are the senior director of lacrosse operations for the Warriors. Let's kind of go back in time. How did that all come about? Um, Just networks and relationships. And I mean, I was lucky enough to be with the Warriors as a player. And this was my first year on the other side of things, learning about the other side of the game. And, um, you know, I was really fortunate to go from, being a player and getting to to play in the NLL and uh, now having the opportunity to uh, be part of the CSE family and see how it all works behind the scenes and also how much um, ownership is invested, especially in Vancouver on, uh, on bringing a winning team. It's, it's really inspiring to see. As we all know, I think from a league perspective, the Vancouver market is one that the NLL needs to be in, obviously, but it's also a market that the league needs to be successful. And 
while on the floor it may not have been their best year, I truly believe that since they moved up from Everett, played at the LEC, and now downtown at Rogers, this was probably one of the most successful years off the floor for the organization, just with attendance numbers, season ticket holders, events you guys put on. From a executive standpoint, essentially, how did it go for you guys off the floor? I mean, there's a ton of excitement within the organization. We're uh, this off season. We're going to be very active. Um, I think we've put ourselves in a great position with some great draft picks, some uh, some great young guys coming in, and also with free agency, we plan to be active. And uh, I think if we put all those pieces to the puzzle, I mean that there's a ton of buzz and excitement um, in BC around this team. And we're really, we're really invested in, in putting a winner on the floor. And um, I know personally being in there behind the scenes, um, ownership is all in, right? They, uh, they're fully committed to doing what they have to do to build a winner here. And this off season, I think is going to be even more exciting than, uh, than what we had this season. Yeah. And I think, and we've talked, on this podcast quite a bit that this is an important off season for the franchise, not only, you know, to get a winning product, but, you know, there's questions about, you know, who will be the GM, who will be behind the bench, um, who's sort of going to be putting all of these deals and pieces in place. So again, if you can take us sort of in those conversations, who's leading those conversations, you know, like to, to have the discussions about whether Troy comes back or not, or do you guys go out and find somebody else? Well, I, I think the best way to summarize that would say that we're entering an evaluation pro- process for the whole um, organization, right? We want to kind of change the structure. And there has been um, a lot of candidates um, for those positions now, what we would do is um, it would be a, a full empowerment at that position, like really someone who would want to steer the ship, right? It, I mean, it's, it's quite a, it'd be quite a coveted position um, to have it going, but uh, it would full autonomy and uh, they would be in charge of kind of taking this thing to the next level and really a restructure of the organization. Is, is this a search for a GM and a head coach? Is it a search for someone who can do both? Well, that that would definitely be something that we would internally discuss and evaluate over this offseason. Um, but going from there, um, I mean, there there is a lot of people looking for that position, right? And yeah. uh, we, we got we to gotta do really self-evaluate and do whatever it takes to uh, to get a winner here. And that's what we're really trying to do. Like, we're in there every day, trying to get a bit better every day, and uh, trying to get to the best we can be through whatever means that takes. You mentioned some good draft picks. Obviously, Owen Grant and Brian Robb were on your draft list this year. Uh, Hunter Vines as well. Are you expecting those guys to report for camp next year and be a part of this organization? I mean, yeah, we're extremely excited that uh, that Owen's coming out. He's uh, he's he's a generational player, and just watching him in the in the field game and everything, we're we're very excited for him to get out here and uh, 
And I, th- I think the, the feeling is mutual. He's very excited to get to Vancouver as well. And I mean, like looking from the outside in, um, you almost have this great combination for the first time where now we have these first round picks. Now mm-hmm. we have these young, ready to play rookies coming in. And then to add to that, um, I mean, we want to be very active with free agency as well and uh and and get some guys in that that want to help be a part of this and uh and build the winner in vancouver and uh i mean it's it's extremely exciting like you can probably tell <laughs> i'm I'm pretty fired up here yeah. for this off season but uh it's, it's a combination of three great things that can really bring a winner to the table you guys have the number two pick and the number seven pick as it stands right now how how active are you in either a trading up, trading down, trying to use those as capital to get some experienced bodies? Uh, well, I think you've seen it in the past with teams like the, the, the championship teams, how many first rounders they have in the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we need to be active, but we also need to keep the, in the back of our mind that these first rounders are going to be guys who are going to be superstars in this league. And, player development is a whole other aspect of that. So bringing in these guys, I, I mean, we're, we're excited for who we're going to be able to get at these positions. And um, we're, we're going to take one step at a time. And what we were talking to earlier of having that kind of leader in this organization that wants to steer the ship, it'll, uh, they'll be able to kind of dictate where we go on draft day. You also have, you know, you guys have a pick in every single round, and, and we've talked about it before. The the past regimes have often moved those picks, try to make a splash for big names, and, and it worked to a point, but it cost the future of this organization. And now you guys have a Bowering, a Charlotte Beatties, an Owen Grant coming in, whoever you guys get at number two. You have to look at this roster and be very excited about the future that is being built, but you also have some very good veterans, especially on that back end with Mitski back there and Cods. How are you trying to balance experience and youth, and not just rookie youth, but you know, you know, you got the the Delmonicos and the Motuks and 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 the Gags. Are you trying to continue to build around those guys? Yeah, I believe. Um, I mean, one thing we do have is we have great character guys who who buy in and um, and they're about the team as a as a greater whole, right? So, I think you can bring in the the guys that are the first rounders and up and comers that are maybe year two, three, and then some free agents that lead by example, and then also you've got. You're the the guys that have been there a while that uh you know what I mean they they mm-hmm. love being part of the Warriors organization I mean the the it's going a long way I mean the guys are all really happy and uh it, it's a great locker room now it's just kind of <laughs> the the kind of elephant in the room getting a winner out there right and yeah. that's that's I think like as you look at this off season and heading into next season um, all the pieces of the puzzle are there to uh, to have a very exciting roster on game day, and and like like you referred to, it it is kind of a perfect combination of of guys with these picks, with maybe some free agents, and um, already the core that we have and the the strength that we have, we can uh, we can make waves next year. 
I think two names that people circle when they look at your roster of wondering if they'll be back are Sean Evans and Aaron Bold. Is is your plan is you know working within the organization to have those guys back? Uh, I mean, and that's that I'll just keep referring back to that evaluation process right. we are under right now. There, there's so many pieces from the top down, right, that uh, that we'll be exploring this offseason. So in regards to that, I mean, the, the, those guys, they, they show up, they're professionals, they've won at every single level, right? Like nothing but respect for both those guys and uh and and they're like when you get a guy like for instance Aaron Bold who I mean I was lucky enough to play with him and uh the way he prepares the way he takes care of himself the way he shows up ready studies film there's a guy that like you really the young guys see that and they're like oh all right that's what it takes to be goalie of the year that's what it takes to be a NLL champion right so he's one of those guys that uh can really dictate the way uh, that the, the the organization and like kind of what's expected upon a player. You think Logan Schuss makes a comeback? Like, uh, we all know he want to. Yeah, no, I love Logan, and uh, yeah. I I had some terrible injuries myself, but yep. uh, I mean, I I I yeah, I think so. Like the guy, he absolutely loves to play. And um, I, I just knowing him, like he's he's definitely going to take his rehab. I've, I've talked to him a couple of times. I reached out to him uh, when it happened. You hate to see a guy go down, right? Like it, it's it's the worst. But uh, and especially a guy like Logan, he's just such a great guy, and he's a good friend of mine as well. Yeah. Um, and you no, know, I I think he'll definitely battle back. He I know he's uh, when one door closes, another opens, and he's kind of ran right into the coaching world as well this summer. So mm-hmm. it's uh, a, a guy like that. There's always going to be opportunities for him, and um, I think it, like you know he loves the game so much. He'll be back. There's no holding a guy like that back. When you look at free agency, what what is the position that you guys feel is the most imperative to try and try and fill? Well, I mean, there's a lot of really attractive free agents out there this year when, when you kind of run through the list of who, who's going to be available. I mean, there's always kind of, uh, I mean, some guys will get franchised, obviously. Yeah. Some guys um, just, you know what I mean? And it's really, I mean, that that will come down to, to the general manager come August 1st when, uh, when we start um, free agency. And, but I mean, there's like... It, if you can imagine, say you bolster, say two, two D and then you kind of, there's some superstar forwards out there that, uh, that might want to call Vancouver home. Right. And then, uh, you kind of go from there and it, that's all as well, a part of what we're doing daily, right. Identifying the needs and what would be a good fit and really guys who want to, who want to come and help build Vancouver into the winner it can be. And it, it's extremely exciting. We always talked about, how Toronto had an advantage and even to an extent Buffalo and Rochester, because those guys in the GTA could all drive to games. There wasn't much flying. Um, and so they had a, a bit of a stronghold on trying to get those free agents who wanted to come home. You guys are in a very lucky position where they're sort of the only team saved for maybe except Calgary in the area. So how much does that play into luring guys home and say, hey, 
you got a chance to come home and play in your backyard. That has to be a very big selling point. Yeah, and I can reflect to that personally. I mean, moving um, from Rochester to Vancouver, it kind of it it changed my life for me, right? I was able yeah. to to be with the kids more and be with the family more and love playing at home. And um, I think you're right; it, it it will be an advantage just where we're where we're located, right? And um, I mean, another advantage that we have as well is just being behind the scenes getting to see it this year for the first time just how all in um ownership is especially with they're they're using their resources to to help the guys out and um i mean it's it's very exciting and as a player i know if if i was still playing i'd be very excited of uh what's going on in vancouver as well is this the best this organization like best position this team has been in like you you've been a part of this team for a number of years and organization in different idiocies but is this the best place this franchise has been in a while i strongly believe so i i i think i mean the excitement is there you, you, there's buzz like any you go to the arenas just to if i'm coaching my daughters or watching a game and everybody's very excited about uh what we're building here and we're doing a lot more uh, community involvement as well. Like we've got the summer camps coming up uh, this summer for kids that want to be involved there. We've done some partnerships with the WLA and um, being out there in the community. And it's, it's nice too, because uh, we're kind of been able to branch downtown to the communities where um, primarily lacrosse is played. Right. And we, we've been active and, with our sticks for schools program. Um, I know it's done a lot just, and what's really been great about it is just how much my phones rang from local guys. And, uh, and you know how it is like lacrosse is good people, the saying that I always hear. Right. And everybody, um, I, I like has been calling me like, Hey, what, what's going on? Like, what are we going to do? What's the plan? And it's cool because it's, it's BC's team. Right. And, uh, mm. And there's there is just a ton of buzz, and I, I think especially this off season with that perfect storm of, for the first time, some some you know what I mean, some real yeah. high draft picks, some guys first rounders that are turning into studs in the league, and then now we've got a great core and some free agents um, that will be active with, and uh, I, I yeah I strongly believe in the statement you said this this is the best position, and uh, I think this off season is going to be huge. Obviously, you know, you've talked about the decision-making process behind the scenes, but to really get that ball going forward, you need that captain of the ship driving it. When do you guys hope to have that decision made? Because, you know, August 1st will come around quite quickly, and you want to make sure you're going into that with the guy who's going to be in charge. Yes, and that's what we are discussing every single day um, right now. And um, it, it is kind of an internal review and evaluation process. So, I mean, it, it could, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of one of those things where you just have to keep working. And um, they, it, it, you obviously have to give um, whoever enough time to prepare themselves for free agency, for the draft, for training camp, because it's a unique league. And I think that's kind of where I was able to bring in a bit of insight is the guys, they got crazy schedules. They got, uh, 
You know what I mean? Like they, it's a different way of practice travel. So having kind of, I'm not far enough removed with the player insight where I can say like, Oh, you know what? We might have a bit of an advantage doing this and everything that I've brought up that they're all in, they go, Hey, if that'll help us win, let's do it. So like they, they are all in. It's great. Fully committed. All right. Tough, tough question to end this thing here. Who wins Buffalo or Colorado? That is a tough question. Uh, Ward versus Vince, right? It's yeah. uh, in the league's funny. Like it, it you know, it, it's almost sometimes like it's, you see Rochester this year come out to that hot start. They were undefeated for a while. And it's almost who's hot at the right time. I find uh, in this league. And it's just hard to bet against Buffalo right now. They just seem so hot. Right. And that Toronto team was, was unreal. And they, uh, they kind of, you know what I mean? They were lighting yeah. it up. And um, it's, I mean, also, I, I, pl- I got to play with Matt Vince, and it, it's yeah. hard to bet against him any day. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're taking Buffalo. Ah, there you know, <laughs> It might be a bit straight on that side, but we'll, we'll never know. It's, uh, we'll, I guess we'll find out soon. But it's, uh, that I mean, two great goaltenders, uh, lots of strong defense. Colorado did a good job. Um, with Calgary there at the end of that game. And uh, it, I mean, regardless, it's going to be great to watch. Well, it's always great chatting with you, buddy. Uh, congratulations on the gig. I know it's, you know, you've been in this position for a while, but now the real work starts and, and everybody's excited to see what uh, the Warriors and Canucks Sports and Entertainment do with the GM and head coaching position and at the draft, because like we said, this is a massive, massive offseason for you guys, and, and I'm excited to kind of enjoy the show from afar. So appreciate the time, my man. Enjoy the summer. Enjoy the busy work, and we'll catch up soon. Thank you very much, Teddy. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, Creed wouldn't tip his hand who he was cheering for in the finals, but he does have a relationship with Matt Vince. They go way back, so I think he's kind of leaning towards the Buffalo Bandits. Uh, Pat, which way are you leaning? I want a game three. I don't care who wins. Yeah, I want a game, game three. three. Let's go. <laughs> game three, I, you, time. Bring it on. You, I think you would make a, a pretty good point that I think he's probably cheering for Matt Vince and Buffalo, but maybe he's cheering for Colorado because – Maybe a guy that you maybe hinted at might want a different challenge for mm. a job. Maybe mm-hmm. some more responsibilities. Mm-hmm. 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 Do you catch my he said, he said, you know, we, we kind of talked about there's, there's probably some people on their short list of candidates for their GM and or head coaching job that might still be coaching. Yeah, that's exactly what. That's exactly what came to my mind when that was brought up. Um, just looking at our timeline of the show, I remember down at the bottom we have our season predictions. Um, GM of the year, <laughs> we both got wrong. Coach of the year, we both got wrong. We both had Donnie for trans or for rookie of the year. Okay. Uh, transition player, I had Courier. You had Latrell. Uh, goalie of the year, uh, I had Rosie. You had Wardo. And MVP, I had career, you had stats. So we got two right out of the big six. I'm counting Latrell half right because he won an <laughs> award. 
<laughs> but didn't win the right award that I wanted him to win. <laughs> uh, so just goes to show even we are wrong more often than not. But where we often aren't wrong is when it comes to box bets. Time now for box bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, Patty. Championship weekend box bets. I know there is a ton of stuff over on CoolBet. And, man, they've got a little bit of everything, a little bit of something for everybody. You, If you're looking at CoolBet when you click the lacrosse tab, like – if you're on your phone, you might have to do a ton of scrolling because there yeah. are so many options. Got NLL, obviously, game one odds are ready to roll. Game two will probably be the next day, right after game one. You'll already be able to get those odds. But you also have an opportunity to bet on the winner. It doesn't matter about game one, two, three, whatever it is. Futures odds still up. Bandits right now, minus 172. Uh, Mammoth are plus one. 45 right now game lines mammoth plus 161 bandits heavy favorites at minus 200 also have got the final four ncaa penn state and duke notre dame virginia uh, uh we will have some player props for those two games as well still got the pll finals uh future sorry and then of course now wla game odds are up oh um, boy We've got a full slate of games this week. We already had our first game up. Um, pretty sure the Thunder hit <laughs> almost hit the over by themselves. Yeah, yeah. So maybe an opportunity to, to make some money early on while the odds makers figure things out there. But as you know, water always finds us level. But with all I the might being go said, broke on WLA betting this summer. <laughs> I might go broke. Oh God, that's great. I now with that with that being said, there's so much lacrosse to pick. There's only one game at an odds set for the finals. So we put our heads together and we thought, why don't we pick one NLL game, one final four game, and one WLA game? So here goes the parlay. Mammoth. Plus two and a half against the Bandits in game one. Duke to win against Penn State. And of course, had to keep you happy. Victoria Shamrocks to win over Maple Ridge Barraris. I believe that game's on Sunday. Yeah. You put all those three together. You get it at plus 225. That's a good one. You're I know the number's on. not... Not super, super juicy, but Duke is a heavy favorite. Victoria's a pretty heavy favorite. And we're getting two and a half goals on the Mammoth. That kind of surprised me how heavy favorites yeah. Buffalo is. But obviously, odds makers like the way that the banners are playing. And of course, the Bandits absolute wagon at home. Yeah. It is going to be a wild one. Who do you have in your own card in the NCAA? I got to go with Duke, man. Uh, Dyson Williams, got to ride with Duke. I know I'm a Notre Dame fan uh, in just about every other sport. Uh, Virginia's tough, obviously, as well. A ton of Canadians 
uh, on that team, or oh, a couple Canadians on that team with Cormier uh, and McCombie, the the Mimico twosome there. Yeah, uh, Penn State's plucky, but I gotta go with Duke. Gotta go with my boy Dyson Williams. That that yeah. offense is ridiculous. Uh, How about you? Plus three fifty for Penn State's. That's a that's a juicy money line. I I think I might have to fade it though, um, but I will. I I think I will take uh, an an under of twenty five and a half. I think both defenses are going to play incredibly strong. And then I I hate to do it, but I got to ride with Nick Ocello in the Fighting Irish. I think uh, after getting snubbed last year in the tournament to get into the tournament, uh, I think they are going to have to have a little fire under the belly and yeah. I would take Notre Dame. I'll take, uh, I'll take the under between Duke and Penn state, but I, I okay. agree. I think Duke wins. So, I'm going to go with Notre Dame though. So here's what my official play is going to be. I'm going to go Duke, Notre Dame, money line parlay gets you to plus 147 at cool bet right now. So you're getting plus money for two ACC teams to come up with a win here. Notre Dame, you said it, Acelo. Great defense. Uh, they've got the Kavanaugh brothers, electric. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. I'm in. You've convinced me. One, Did you see the uh, through X with, with Kark and the Kavanaugh brothers? I have not watched yet. I heard it's awesome. It, it's it's really cool because it, it's just, you know, obviously talking to two brothers who had an older brother go there. So it's kind of the legacy line. But they do this free flow drill where one Kavanaugh is just firing passes to the other in front of the net. And they're just throwing whatever junk they can. And it's as a coach, like, oh man, I hate seeing these videos because now my kids are gonna go and try that, <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. But you're like, it's it's just it's such a good drill because especially in field across where it's so bang bang, and you often have just a minute, not even like a quick second to think, you have to throw that junk. Uh it was pretty cool to see them throwing that junk and how many of them actually like were picking top corners or going like posting in and things like that. So I, I do highly recommend it. Uh, my super crazy parlays, you know, what I always like to do. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Let's hear it. Let's right. hear it. Uh, Penn state money line, Notre Dame money line, uh, Langley thunder minus one and a half against the shamrocks tonight. Berards to beat the Lakers. Nanaimo to beat Coquitlam and then Shamrocks Maple Ridge under 21 and a half. A five dollar <laughs> bet is uh the odds are plus 12093. <laughs> so a five dollar bet wins you 60965. Oh my god, that is like how could that not be your best weekend if you if that runs true? A lot okay. of stuff's gotta happen, but hey. A lot of stuff's gotta happen. And if you take the 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 Penn State game out, just remove it. You're still plus twenty six ten, so five buck gets you one hundred and thirty five. So either way, you could have a good weekend. Before we we end this segment, before we end this segment, because again, just because Coolbet is the best lacrosse sports book around, you have an opportunity here. If you're betting lacrosse, if you're at Coolbet and you're not taking part of this promo what are you doing yeah. simple as this place a 20 dollars bet on the game this weekend doesn't matter can be uh total money line player pop whatever anything for the nll playoffs on that nll page there 20 dollars bet yeah. 
minimum odds of minus 200 or 1.50 if you use the decimal odds. Okay. And you'll earn a $10 free bet for anywhere in the sports book the following week. So $20 bet, mammoth to win. It wins, it loses, doesn't matter. On Monday, you'll get a bet credit of 10. You can spend it wherever you want. You can bet it on golf that next weekend. You can bet it on some baseball, the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, or if there's a game three, you can bet another $10 on that as well. So wait, it's got to be minus 200 or better? Yes, so you can't throw a $20 on a minus 500. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But that would win you like no money. Exactly. But you would just then get a free $10 <laughs> bet. It's to, money so you get a free $10. Exactly, exactly. So uh, <laughs> if you want to join the fun, as always, coolbet.com. Grab that lacrosse tab. If you're new to it, sign up. Use promo code OTCB. We'll help you out along the way. Thanks to our friends at Coolbet. Uh, there's tons of lacrosse action this weekend. And like Patty said, there are a ton of options on that lacrosse tab. Futures, prop bets, player bets coming, day of the game. Uh, a ton of activity there. Thanks to our friends at Coolbet. And as we always say, stay cool. Bet responsibly. How are the eye heads doing, Patty? It's getting better. It's getting better. Getting better. Uh, picked up, picked up our second win uh, of the season over a very tough Aurelia team. Um, guys are guys are coming back from school pretty much now. We've got our our uh, starting goalie back from school. Um, but we're a young team, Teddy. Really, really young team. Super athletic. Very skilled. But as you know, junior lacrosse is a different beast, right? You got to sure. play that full sixty minutes. Uh, and, uh, we're now starting to figure it out, but the hole might be too, too dig to, to dig us out, but I think we're ready to make a run here. And I think that it's going to be a great learning experience for these guys to, to feel what a playoff push is. And I believe 100% we can make this push and get into the postseason. but I think it, it, it's taught these guys that, you know, you can't start out slow. A 20 game season might seem like it's a lot, um, but with a blink of an eye, oh, shoot, the yeah. season's halfway done. So I think there's a lot to learn from here. Yeah. You guys got games this weekend? One game Saturday, Saturday afternoon against the Gales, that which I will be missing. But uh, that's but you're not going to call a game and then quickly drive across the border? <laughs> I mean, I could have maybe, but I don't know how our producer and yeah. John Abbott would be feeling about that one. <laughs> I, know, I know he gets nervous about these things. So, but John, uh, I'm just getting through Nexus right now. I'll be there in 20 minutes. I'm coming, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Just do the open without me. <laughs> yeah. How are the uh, how are the Shamrocks doing, Teddy? Um, we are rolling. Uh, like yourselves, we are pretty young. We're starting to get guys back from college. We're starting to get the trickle-down effect from the junior A's. Had a good win against Coquitlam over the weekend. Uh, we've got Poco tomorrow and Langley on Sunday. So I'll be at the Saturday game. We'll be at the Sunday game. But uh, it's been a good start. We are we are rolling. I'd like to bring our PIMS down a little bit. Um, yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> Things are going well. We uh, it, It'll all change because, as you know, being an Ontario guy, um, when a national championship is in your province, there will always be the odd team that likes to load up and stack up. So yep. we're, we're, we're almost at our full roster of where we're probably going to be at the end of the year. There's probably maybe one or two guys that we're still waiting to hear about. But it'll be inter interesting to see what Poco does, who are the hosts, 
and then what Coquitlam does, who is always our, our number one rival, because essentially Poco's in, so it's going to be us and Coquitlam battling out for that second spot in the Founders. And, uh, you know, there's there's rumors that they're going to go heavy with fifth years and, 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 and trying to load up their roster, but it doesn't make much sense to me when they're still a team that has a shot at going to the Minto Cup. So uh, it'll be interesting to see when we get to the deadline, what team's final rosters are going to look like, because you just never know, you know, what fifth years are going to trickle down and what guys aren't going to be there are teams hiding guys in junior a and, and loading up their tier one team. It's all yet to be decided, but those decisions don't have to be made for another month. But as it sits right now, we're, uh, we're in a pretty good spot. I love to hear that. That's, uh, that's exciting. There's nothing more, uh, there's nothing more intriguing than the inner rumblings of of who's loading up, okay. who's going for who. And it's crazy to think, like, I know we're about halfway, but we're already hearing a lot of that stuff and who's going to yeah. be buyers and sellers. And um, got to toot our own horns, although I'm not the offensive coach. <laughs> so um, take something. Ironhead sitting with the second best power play percentage. There we the- go. OJ uh, sitting at a 46.94 percentage. Only Six Nations has a better with a 57.45. That is just ridiculous. Absolutely (laughs) ridiculous. But there just goes to show we've got talent. Just got to put it together five on five. Uh, We are at a 0.907 PK second in the league. Uh, Our power play, not so hot. We'll get better. We'll get better, though. Um, thanks to Joel McCready for stopping by and giving us some time to talk about the Warriors. But obviously, the big news of the week is Christian Del Bianco is your second ever goalie to win the MVP. Congratulations to him and all of the NLL Award winners. You guys are all freaking fantastic and just continually shows of how great our league is, our sport is, and our athletes are. And then, of course, game one, Bandits-Mammoth, a rematch of last year. It goes from Banditland, John Abbott, yourself, Pat Gregor, and Ashley Docking will be on the call. Uh, You and Doc will fly out and join me in Colorado for game two. Don't forget, TSN, TSN+, ESPN+, for game one, the deuce for game two. Of course, also on ESPN+, tune in, watch the games, enjoy the games. Uh, one other caveat, every time the Colorado Mammoth have been to a finals, they have won and they have beaten the Buffalo Bandits. Take that for what it is, but sometimes history likes to repeat itself, but also, as we learned from WWE, teams will often, a la Brock Lesnar, eat, sleep, and conquer the streak. He's Pat Gregoire. Find him at P. Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast or on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Patty, always a pleasure, my friend. Any final words for our fans? If you have an opportunity to go to the game, go. Yes. If you don't, though, which is okay. We're not going to ticket shame you guys. Find a TV. Flip it on TSN if you're north of the border. If you're south of the border, turn it on ESPN. If you're at a bar, ask for it to be on. Actually, that sounds really nice. A nice cold beer watching that game at a bar. But basically, what I'm trying to say is put the game on. 
Yeah. Because great ratings will only go to show how great this game is growing, how big it's getting. And that will only prove to be huge for the years to come. And you're going to watch awesome lacrosse. Yeah. And you're going to watch some awesome lacrosse and Pat already looks good with his new haircut. Uh, (laughs) It will be a record setting numbered weekend for viewers. Patty talked about at the top. It is an incredibly perfect storm for the NCAA and the NLL to be having these championships on the same weekend, rolling in one into the other. It will be a coach's nightmare. If you go to a game, take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. And if you take some friends, buy them a beer, cold beer, the National Lacrosse League, a perfect combination. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.